Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to the AV Podcast Movies Edition for June. Coming up with the AV Play Review Team, we look forward to the big releases coming in the cinema and on disc. In our reviews, we feature The Frighteners, Ghost Rider and Blood Diamond. And in our roundtable this month, we discuss HD DVD versus Blu-ray. And our review team give their experiences with both formats. From AV Play, it's this week's DVD and HD news and reviews. So, as always, I'm joined by the AV Play review team. We've got Chris McAnini. Hi, Chris. Hello. Uh, we've got Simon Crust. Hi there. And Kaz Hallow. Hi, Kaz. Hello. So, with the team here, it's time to talk about what's coming up on DVD, HD, Blu-ray, and, of course, at the cinema this month. And uh, and as we've gone monthly, the next podcast will be out in July. So, up until the middle of July, what is coming at the cinema? And I think the best person to kind of kick this off uh, would be Chris. So, Chris, any highlights in the next month? Right, well, there's some biggies coming our way, isn't there, in the next few weeks? We've got um, the, the Rise of the Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four 2, or however it's meant to be called. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting this one to fail. I know I am. An early word from the States appears to be that it's not going to disappoint in that department. It's a clunker, yet again. Except for the titular character of the surfer himself. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'd have a look at that, but I really haven't got any high hopes of that one. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, the first film was a bit of a, a washout. It was a, a, a purely aimed at the kids. Family fest, everyone was happy, there was no threat, there was no action. It was colourful, but empty and shallow. So at least this one's got a shiny man in it. <laughs> That's about all you can say for it. it. I mean, it did seem to be a, a comic book film just for the sake of being a comic book film. It seemed to be just falling along with the craze. Uh, that, that's certainly the way I picked it up. Yeah, it just cashed in, didn't it? I mean, Tim Story isn't the biggest fan of the um, the actual comic book series in the first place. I mean, that shows because he's quite apparently disrespectful to the uh, the original characters. I was never a fan of Fantastic Four as a comic book myself, but um, I went to see it and I thought, Ooh, this, this could be good fun, because I'm, I'm, I love any comic book heroes on the big screen, any Marvel stuff, I just I love it all, except for that, <laughs> incidentally. So, But I'd, I'd probably give this one a... I'd give it a look, because the little fella's bound to want to go and see it anyway. And beyond that, I think the next big one, family-wise, certainly the little fella will be taking me to see Shrek the Third, so I've got high hopes of that one, because I love the first two movies the same old stick yet again isn't it I'm not really sure what the plot is to this one to be honest I haven't really kept up with this but it's going to be the same sort of gags all over again isn't it and uh, if it sticks to the, the original template much fun should be had apparently uh, Shrek's going to be a daddy in this one so having just become a dad for the second time I can probably appreciate some of the dilemmas he's about to go through only mine isn't mine isn't quite a little ogre though unlike yourself and, uh, unlike mo- myself <laughs> moving on to Kaz Kaz what do you think uh Shrek, are you going to go and see it? Oh, I can't believe you gave away the spoiler that he's going to be a daddy. I think that's horrendous. I'm <laughs> devastated. It's not, a, it's not um, a twist, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, No, I don't don't think I'm going to rush the cinema to see it. I did like the first one, was disappointed by the second one. We'll wait for this one on HD or DVD. I'm much more looking forward to going to see Die Hard in the cinema. It's been a while since I never got to see the first two in the cinema, and uh, obviously the third has it's been... 10-15 years, it's been a while since it came out so um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one and I know it's going to be uh, not quite as violent and uh, possibly not quite as good but um, I'm still going to go and see it Yeah, I'm way looking forward to Die Hard 4 way, way looking forward to it despite the uh, the fact that it's, it's dropped down another certificate hasn't it? Um, although Bruce Willis has said that this film contains some of the most blood-curdling and violent deaths that they, they've seen so far in the series I don't know, but, and I think his famous catchphrase is only uttered once in this, 
what they want is probably good enough, really. But it's the whole watering down for the kids thing, which really, really annoys me. Unless, of course, there's going to be on, on disc at some point an extended, uncut version like there was for Die Hard 2. I remember the first time I saw Die Hard 2, I was really, really disappointed with it. A, a major fan of the first film because I thought it was really, really adult. Comic book in nature, but the, the adult qualities to it, i.e. the violence was really gratuitous. Great, which is great in my book anyway. And uh, loads and loads of swearing. It wasn't for kids. And the second one, a little bit of violence. This is at the flicks, by the way. A little bit of violence. Swearing taken right the way out. It just, it just was, well, it was, it was watered down and rubbish as far as I was concerned. And then when the uncut one came out, boy, what a different movie. Now, a little bit of blood and a few swear words. You know, it's, you shouldn't really be making a big thing about that. But that did transform Die Hard 2 into a much, much better. Um, and more serious movie. Die Hard 3 I'm not a fan of at all, apart from the uh, the taxi chase through the, the streets of New York, which was okay. But I just... Uh, Jeremy Irons. Come on, lads. Jeremy Irons. <laughs> in, in a vest. No, 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 no. That just didn't do it for me at all. Okay, then, so, uh, so moving on and uh, wrapping up with the cinema releases uh, for the next month. And Simon, you've got the last one. I believe it's Harry Potter on his way again. It is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, reportedly the most scary Harry Potter to date. Um, although that's not claiming much, is it? Because they're not very scary anyway. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. I'm quite a quite a fan of the Harry Potter franchise. I've uh, enjoyed the book immensely, so I'll be interested to know um, what they do with the uh, with the film. Whether or not they stick, you know, close to the plot, or they um, take huge chunks out like they did with the last film. But I'm looking forward to it. And th- I mean, is this the last Potter film in the uh, franchise, or is there more to come? Well, there's, there's more, two there? more books, isn't there? So presumably there's two more films. So Daniel Radcliffe's in his 30s, is still going to be playing Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's the movie magic, isn't it? I was going to say, he's turned into quite a serious a- actor now, hasn't he? He's done a, he's done a stage play of um, Equus, hasn't he? Which is getting a lot of critical plaudits at the moment. Yeah. and Doesn't, and he, doesn't he apparently appear nude in it as well? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure about that. I was more taken with his role in extras. I don't know if you guys caught that, but um, extras. I yeah, did, I was yeah. just going to say extras. Serious actor, and he plays in extras. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was brilliant. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, so that's the cinema releases for this month. You're listening to the AV podcast. So from the cinema to the home, and first of all is the uh, Region One and Region Two DVDs. Um, let's start with Chris again. Chris, anything coming up in the next month, DVD-wise? Uh, well, collection-wise, you've got uh, the James Stewart box set and the John Wayne box set on Region 1. Uh, I'm quite a big fan of these uh, box sets when they come out, So, uh, although I haven't actually looked as to what films are in these particular box sets. But, uh, you know, John Wayne, I've kind of rediscovered Wayne in the, only the last few months, to be honest, especially getting the HD of the searches, which really literally blew me away. And I've forgotten how good an actor the guy really was. You know, people would argue with that, I know. But so, I mean, that would be nice to get a few more movies uh, from the Duke, uh, James Stewart. Yeah, everyone, everyone loves Jimmy Stewart. So that that'd be a nice, a nice double box set, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what, what, what about you guys? What else is coming out that's caught your eye? Well, I think Hot Fuzz is coming out on uh, DVD pretty soon. Well, I have to say, I'm going to be waiting off and getting that on HD. But, um, but that was great. I, I must have seen that twice in the cinema. Uh, absolutely top-notch follow-up to Shaun of the Dead. I can't wait for them to make uh, another movie. And I'm glad that in Hot Fuzz, Nick Frost got a, a bigger role than previously. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, the, um, Hot Fuzz is out Region 2 DVD, 11th of June. Um, the HD DVD versions of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, end of July, I believe. So um, yeah. the HD versions are coming up. And funnily enough, I actually sat down and started watching Spaced again last night. Uh, started from season one. I don't know if uh, anybody else caught that when it was on the TV. I, I oh, did. I, I caught it midway through. Um, and I didn't know what it was. No one had talked about it at all in work. None of my mates had even mentioned it. And just channel hopping. And I caught this thing and I thought, well, instantly I was hooked on it because it was the pure pop culture references. And it was remarkably funny as well. Simon Pegg was just deliriously new and fresh and it was great because he was he was basically one of us he was a total not a movie geek and you know just one look at the uh, the flat with all the posters on the walls it was just it was great it was like home from home and yeah a, a totally great great show yeah the uh, the dvd even has the um 
the reference button. So you can press the reference button if you don't recognise any of the references in the film. But if you're a film fan, if you're a film fan, you will get all the references anyway. Um, so yeah, Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead coming up HD next month, DVD this month. Anything else, guys? Uh, what about you, Simon? What's coming up HD-wise? Okay, a couple of big releases coming um, on HD format. We've got 300, of Yay. course. I know, I know Chris is excited to speak about that one. And we've also got Shooter coming up. Both great films, I might add. 300, absolutely amazing. Um, shallow as anything, but who the hell cares? It's just a car- wall-to-wall carnage frenzy. Great stuff. Uh, tremendous uh, battle sequences. Really galvanising stuff. I'm just... I was kind of hoping that Zack Snyder would release an unrated version of it because he did it with Dawn of the Dead, didn't he? Um, because it, this was film was very heavily touted as being wall-to-wall blood and guts. And yet, as nasty and ferocious as it actually is, I came up a bit disappointed and wanting a bit more limb-lopping in it. But anyway, it's still a tremendous movie. And it's yeah, it's on both formats. Uh, and even though I'm a bit of a Blu-ray snob, uh, to be totally honest... Uh, it looks like the HD version is the, is the better one to go for because it has a few extra features which are not on the uh, the Blu-ray disc. Otherwise, the technical spec seems to be identical. I think they've both got Dolby 2 HD and they've both been done with the same codec as well. Uh, so it's gonna it's gonna look and sound probably very very similar across the board, but it's gonna be a great release no matter what. I think it'll be interesting to see how that transfers to this because um, the actual way it's filmed. It, it, very much with crushed whites and crushed blacks and um, a, a very muted colour palette in there but with strong reds as well so yeah, that's going to be interesting to see on disc isn't it? It's going to be a real a real test for it isn't it? But yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it immensely, I saw that film several times at the flicks uh, and as, as I say I, I just kind of hope that it's slightly extended although it doesn't mention that anywhere. Just like to pick up there you said uh, you mentioned Dawn of the Dead the remake that is also being released in August the unrated yes. version. Yeah I, I don't know I I liked that when it first came out but I, it's not a film I've ever returned to I'm a huge huge fan of the original you see and it I don't know this one just doesn't come anywhere near it it's very popular I know and it's got a lot of critical um, accolade as well but basically it doesn't touch the original so that's just my standpoint on it. But I think Snyder is a great director, um, especially with 300, a very visionary director as well. Although it wasn't hard, if you're going to mimic um, Frank Miller's comic book, you know, you can't help but be very visually striking anyway. And the film does at least literally take a lot of panels from that book and puts, puts them on the screen and makes them move. Uh, it's a real visual, sumptuous treat, without a doubt. Okay, well that's the discs that we're looking forward to uh, this month. If you've got any news for us you want us to discuss in our next movies podcast, then email us at help at avpodcast.co.uk. For the biggest and best DVD and HD news and reviews, visit avplay.com. Okay, so uh, moving on, and it's now time for our reviews this week, and we've got quite a few HD, DVD and Blu-ray reviews to get through. Uh, So first we'll go to Kaz, and Kaz... Blood Diamond. Yeah, I managed to catch this one at the cinema, um, and I really, really enjoyed it. So picking it up on Blu-ray, which is actually a whole month before its HD release, I I was very, very happy to see it again. It's a a deep political war drama, um, and in in its storyline it manages to tell quite a broad adventure story about some personal plights of individual characters. And in that way, it works quite well. You know, there's a political polemic on one side and just a, a, a war adventure on the other side. It's basically about a, a fisherman's family that get caught up by... Um, get caught up with the rebels in uh, civil war-torn Africa. This fisherman loses his son to them and has to get it back. At the same time, he discovers the biggest blood diamond that anyone's seen around there and manages to hide it. And that garners the interest of obviously the rebels and this um, this lone mercenary uh, gun smuggler who uh, decides to go after the diamond and appears to be prepared to do whatever it takes to get it. Uh, mercenary by nature, he's not very forgiving. And it's kind of a tale of um, redemption for the characters, of loss, and of uh, of the hell that it is to be in that country at least be in that part of the country. But it's um it's an excellent movie. It's it looks fantastic thanks to cinematography and thanks to actually being filmed obviously somewhere pretty close to location. And um 
yeah, it comes thoroughly recommended. On Blu-ray, we get it with a, a pretty decent picture, but a superb PCM soundtrack, along with a few extras. I mean, I, I say a few, it's all the extras that are there on the HD. It's just we still don't have that picture-in-picture, picture, so a lot of the extras don't seem quite right without being able to watch them alongside the film. Um, but still, highly recommended. Anybody else caught that disc? Well, I've not caught it on disc, but I have seen the film, and yeah, I've got to agree with Cass there. It's, it's a great movie, very powerful film as well. Um, a lot of shocking scenes in it. The violence is pretty ripe, um, and yeah, it, it's quite nerve-wracking um, throughout some of the sequences. But it's a great, very exciting movie. Um, good performances. DiCaprio is superb in that, and Jaiman uh, Hounsou um, as the fisherman who loses his son, has to regain him. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's it's, it's a very in, enjoyable, shocking in places, but very enjoyable movie. Um, yeah, that, that's one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up at some point, yeah. Okay, moving on. Simon, what have you got for us? Okay, um, I've been looking at Peter Jackson's The Frighteners, um, his first uh, studio-financed film. Um, previous to that, everything was an independent um, film made in New Zealand. This, of course, is still made in New Zealand, but he had the... Uh, backing of a studio here so we had a lot more money and it's the first time he um, ventured into computer graphics as well um, quite an old film um, but still pretty damn good I must be honest um, one of the few Peter Jackson films I've owned in various formats and never actually watched <laughs> so uh, I was lucky to, um, to get this one on HD it's the director's cut, it's the, uh, the same as the three disc DVD and the same as the laser disc that was out um, all those years ago um, with uh, 14 uh, or 16 minutes of um, extra footage. Um, it's, it's a good film. Michael J. Fox plays a, uh, a psychic um, with the twist that he actually is a psychic. He can uh, communicate with the dead, but instead of using it to uh, sort of help people, he um, conspires with the ghosts to haunt people and then go in and cleanse the haunting and then thus earning his money. Um, is, the, is the main thread of the film. And then, of course, you've got uh, death going round... Um, killing people, just sort of uh, taking the life from their hearts. Um, that's what death does. That's what death does, exactly right. I'm knocking for that. <laughs> exactly right. It's up to, um, because um, uh, Frank Bannister, his name is, because he can see it, because he can see death, he um, fights him, has to, has to have a near-death experience, and uh, manages to fight it and save the day. Um, it's It's... Typical early Jackson. Well, that's what I've got to say. Uh, it's very, um, it's quirky. It's a bit odd. Um, immensely watchable. Um, strange enough, it bombed at the uh, when it was first released at the cinema, which is a real shame because um, it's got a lot of a lot of going for it actually. Um, well, it was, I really mar it was marketed it. wrongly, wasn't it, at the time? Mm. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's a great film. Yeah, yeah I mean, you obviously like it, don't you, Chris? I do like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's especially good because of the, the Jeffrey Coombs extended cameo. Mm. He's the <laughs> FBI agent, isn't he? He's got so many phobias, it's unreal. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he is great. Is it uncut, this version, by the way? It is uncut, yes. It's uh, fully uncut, director's cut, um, with everything in it. Um, same, as the, uh, same as the um, Laserdisc that was released all those years ago. Um, and it's a really good copy, actually. Um, I say really good. Uh, 1080p v VC1 encoded. Um, good picture, reasonable quality. Um, the, the, I mean, I had it on DVD, um, and I had never really watched it, but it streaks ahead of that um, in picture quality-wise, so it looks clean and tidy. Um, but um, and against you know top-notch HD pictures, it's you know only comes out pretty average. However, the sound is particularly good. I was very very impressed with the sound. Um, only one soundtrack DVD. Uh, Dolby Digital Plus 5.1, but particularly good, especially Death zooming all around the room, and Danny Elfman's score as well, you know, coming from both front and back at the same time, giving a really eerie feel to some of the moments in it. So particularly good sound, um, and I think a lot of people will be uh, be interested. In it. It's got the full four-hour making of featurette or documentary, if you want to call it, um, which was just goes to show how. Uh, how far Peter Jackson was ahead of his time planning for DVDs, because yeah. um, it's uh, it's an incredible, an incredible yeah, <laughs> making of documentary. Quite the most we, comprehensive. Know, yeah, I mean we all know he can do it from Lord of the Rings and King Kong, but this is his first one, and it's phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. Um, it also comes with uh, his first director's commentary. 
um, which is again pretty good. You know, he's got plenty of chat, goes, can speak about anything and everything, and really doesn't repeat himself either. So um, I was very impressed with this disc. Yeah. Well, that's another one I've got to get hold of then. I, I I've got fairly heavy version of it as well before this one came out. So, but yeah, from what you said there, it's, it's one to bag, I think. Come on then, Chris, what have you been looking at? Oh, yes. I've got what was one of the most um, anticipated releases of the year, surprisingly enough, is Ghost Rider. Nicolas Cage uh, becomes the flaming skull of Western legend, the Devil's Bounty Hunter. Uh, another comic book adaption from a. Well, the, the Ghost Rider from comic book um, days isn't that particularly well thought of or well he hasn't got the same amount of uh, audience as a lot of the other more famous characters have got um, so in that respect this is one guy who definitely needed to have a backstory given at the start of the movie whereas the likes of Spider-Man or DC's Batman basically these guys could hit the, hit the screen running and do good in couldn't they because you know who they are as it is you don't really need to be told how they came to be but Ghost Rider yeah he's new to a lot of people you may have seen the imagery before, but you don't know what, where he came from, why he's doing what he's doing. Well, it's it got lambasted, um, to be quite honest. I saw it at the flicks, and um, it's by Mark Steven Johnson, who did Daredevil, which I liked. The only Ben Affleck flick I actually do like. Um, and, you know, I thought he did a good job with that. So I kind of, kind of thought, he's going to do the same thing with this. It's going to have excitement. It's going to have a bit of brutality now and again. It's going to be exciting, um, but sadly, it's uh, it's nowhere near as good as it could have been. Um, it's the the story is actually quite pathetic. You have Ghost Rider, he Johnny Blaze, a, a, well, here's the word Daredevil, a Daredevil motorcycle stuntman, makes a pact with the devil. The devil's name in this one is Mephistopheles. There we go. And he's played by Peter Fonda. Now there's a little you know, nod to Easy Rider, Harley Davidson's chopper bikes deserts you know and uh, I'm getting a bit sick of seeing the devil in human form to be honest I think it's getting a bit cliched now you know I, I, I think it's probably easier to do it that way obviously effects wise and budget wise but it's just a bit too banal and mundane now that he appears as a human each time around um, anyway Johnny Blaze makes a pact with the devil um, the past, this was years ago, the past comes back to haunt him at some point when a few rogue demons escape from hell one of them being Blackheart, played by Wes Bentley, who uh, I think is a terrible actor, by the way, um, who is actually the devil's son, who wants to start up a new hell right on earth, don't they all? And uh, he's going hell for leather to try and you know, bring this to the fore. So he enlists the help of some other demons, some elemental demons. Now, yeah, that sounds pretty exciting, so, of course, you've got to have the Ghost Rider go out and track these guys down, bring them back to hell. Um, but sadly, uh, the confrontations he has with each of these demons are really lacklustre and quite boring. Uh, a real major letdown in that department. But, but, the thing about it is, when you, once you've seen it, I, I saw the flicks and was disappointed. Then I thought about it a bit more. I went back to see it again. And when you watch it on its proper terms, as it's very, very tongue-in-cheek, there's a lot of comedy to this film, which is perhaps what no one was really expecting. Nick Cage, who um, has dallied with superhero movies quite a lot, his name's been attached to a lot of projects over the last few years. This was the one he was really waiting for, because don't they always seem to say, this, this character is my favourite comic book character? Well, Nick Cage really means it. Sadly, it, it's probably not the way he wanted it to come across in the movie, because it's Johnny Blaze uh, mumbles, he's monosyllabic, he's very sort of um, introverted there's no real fantastic lines of dialogue in this and he's not exactly the you know the really in-your-face sort of hero until of course he becomes a flaming skull um, and in that department the film you know is great uh, initially I thought the skull itself looked a bit like a well an egg uh, it was a bit too white a bit too unrealistic but especially on, on blu-ray it looks incredible the, um, the transfer this film has got is absolutely top-notch. Now, there's a, there are a few problems with it, Black Crush being one of them. Um, a lot of scenes um, are particularly squashed down with the lack of detail. Blacks are far too rich, particularly during the, the final sequence, shall we say. 
Um, but the point of it, it's got to be intentional because some of the, um, the, the the fire effects are truly tremendous to look at. This is a really, really vivid movie. So, of course, the juxtaposition of the flames and a black background is truly eye-popping stuff. It really is a, um, a phantasmagoria for the eyes. It's a great, great transfer in that respect. The colours truly leap off the screen. Detail is great as well. Um, you, and the whole uh, depth of feel to it, there's some great three-dimensionality to it. There's some great scenes of particularly, you have like, when his bike has morphed into this hog, this hog bike from Hades, basically, it's he touches his hand to it, and all of a sudden it becomes a bone and chrome encrusted um, flaming vehicle from hell. It, it's truly amazing to look at. Uh, must be painful to sit on, obviously, but anyway, you have some great shots of, of the front wheel right in your face on one side of the screen. Ghost Rider sort of stood further back, to mid to background. And the three-dimensional aspect of that is truly breathtaking. Um, some of the effect sequences are a little bit dodgy, um, and the disc, probably because it's, a sh it's such a sharp transfer, it makes them look even dodgier, perhaps. Um, but on the whole, this is quite a blisteringly good um, transfer, picture-wise. Sound-wise, well, here's the thing for you folks. This one has actually got a Dolby True HD soundtrack on it and a PCM uncompressed. So you can finally... You know, flick between one and the other and see which one you like better. To be totally honest with you, both are phenomenal on this. Really, really immersive sound design. The rears are in action nearly all the time. The sub is jumping. The sound design is, it, you've got steerage all the way around. Seamless panning. It's loud. It's aggressive. There's there's lots of um, ambience taking place. Lots of, um, you know, fantastic uh, zooms around the speakers. The bike roaring over your head, the demons whooshing around. It's it's really, really great stuff. Flicking between the two, I have to say that I found the PCM slightly better, but you know, it's louder. And I do like the soundtracks to be loud, but it, it doesn't submerge any of the dialogue or any of the effects. It's still crystal clear. It's it's a fantastically well designed um, immersive soundtrack. The the two HD is just as good, except that it's slightly quieter. So, you know, I think it's a case of, you know, it's your own personal preference. Certainly, I can't fault either of them. Um, so, AV-wise, this is a quite phenomenal, a great, great release. Extras-wise, you've got a couple of comedy tracks on it, um, which one of them is the producer Gary Foster, which is, to be quite honest, is quite lame and very boring. Then you have a comedy track with uh, Mark Stephen Johnson, who wrote and directed it, and the visual effects supervisor, um, Kevin Mack, I think his name is, now, this is not a bad track, to be honest, because uh, Mark Stephen Johnson actually tries to defend the movie from the critics. I mean, obviously this was after the film had been released, so uh, he, he does he, he acknowledges the fact that it's been panned, and he, he, he rails against the critics, which is quite nice to hear. Um, otherwise, you have um, quite a large documentary, which is split into three parts. So I think it runs for almost 90 minutes overall, with the three segments all um, playing together. Now, uh, folks, you probably know I, I love big making of documentaries, but I think I, I've been stung, and I think what stung me was the uh, the mammoth making of the Superman Re Superman Returns. I was going to say Begins then, uh, which I absolutely hated. It bored me rigid. It was too much. It was overkill, and I lost interest in it. And this one does the same thing, only this one does it far, far worse because it lacks direction. It lacks focus. You have talking head interviews, and then you have um, a, a visit to one of the sets with the producer who trips over. I mean, they film this, and yet you see him trip over, and he mumbles his lines, he forgets people's names, he approaches people to give them surprise, candid interviews. And, you know, if for a polished making of, that's quite abysmal. You have a lot of the, uh, the Marvel head honchos, except for Stan Lee, who doesn't appear... Uh, well... He doesn't appear in what I've seen so far because, to be honest, folks, uh, his confession time, I couldn't sit through it all. I sat through the first segment and half of the second and I just couldn't take any more of it. It was actually boring me. Nick, Ca Nick Cage, to his credit, appears. You don't get a lot of the stars appearing in these things a lot of the time. But he appears and he, you see a couple of scenes being filmed and then his reaction to them on screen. But he's obviously thinking he's in a much, much greater film than is actually what is finally produced. So, sadly, um, 
that documentary didn't really uh, do much for me. But overall, I'm going to recommend the film because it is bright, sharp, vivid, uh, and very entertaining. Providing you, you know, you can get around the fact that the, the plot is pathetic, and you have some very, well, it lacks menace. The bad guys just aren't bad enough. Um, ah, but one, one another thing in its favour, it's got Sam Elliott in it, officially the best voice in Hollywood. His tones, his character, the grizzled old cowpoke, tremendous. He steals every scene that he's in. And this being the extended cut, folks, extended cut there by about nine minutes. Uh, but don't go expecting you know, a huge subplot like was added to the Daredevil director's cut. Uh, it's mainly a little bit of character stuff at the start. Uh, and a couple of scenes which, you know, one of them adds a little bit more. But basically, there's not a great deal more to this. Uh, but as I say, Sam Elliott, yeah, there's another plus point for it. So overall, I'm going to recommend it, folks. Uh, so long as you don't go expecting the likes of Spider-Man or a Batman. It's not like that at all. It's very, very lowbrow. It's got no pretensions. And Nick Cage is all over the place in it. But it's entertainment. Hey, it's Ghost Rider. Okay, well, that, that rounds up our reviews for this week. Um, so just quickly, uh, Kaz, Blood Diamond on uh, Blu-ray. How did you score it? I gave the movie an 8, um, the picture an 8, the sound was particularly noteworthy, so I got a 9. Uh, the extras I was a little bit disappointed with, but that got a 7, and uh, overall that's an 8 for that Blu-ray package. So moving on to Simon, and Simon's review of The Frighteners, how did you score that? I'm going to give the uh, the movie will get an 8, the uh, the picture average, that's going to be 6. The uh, sound, particularly good, I enjoyed that, that's going to be 8. The Extras, fantastic extras, got to be a nine. Um, so that makes the overall score seven. And uh, finally, Chris and his review of uh, Ghost Rider, how did you score it? Well, the film, I'd probably give it a seven. Uh, and I'm being generous there, but I, I do like the film. Uh, it's kind of grown on me. Uh, video, I'm, I'm poised between an eight and a nine. The, the loss of detail because of the black kind of takes it down a bit from a nine. So I'm going to give it a very, very good eight. Audio gets a 9, without a doubt. It's scintillating stuff. Extras, uh, well, if you're a fan, you're probably going to enjoy these. Um, so I'll give it a 6. Overall, it's going to get a 7 from me. OK, well, that's our reviews for this week. And our thanks to MovieTime.com for supplying the review discs. For more DVD news and reviews, visit avplay.com. This week's Roundtable Discussion. And to wrap up our movies podcast for June, we'll move on to our Roundtable Discussion. And we have had HD DVD and Blu-ray reviews for about six months now. So how are the reviewers settling in with the new technology? And what do they think? There's been a lot of talk on the forums about which format's better than the other, but I think our reviewers are better poised than most because we get most of the material through, and most of our reviewers have both formats. So uh, let's kick things off with Kaz to start with this week, just for a change. Um, Kaz, you've got both formats. What do you think? Well, after quite a while of reviewing these discs, I'm still of the same impression I was when it started, which is that it, it is an excellent upgrade really does you bring you closer to a cinematic experience at home. Um, the, the picture and the sound is, is generally amazing on these discs. Um, but in reviewing so many titles, you do come across things slightly disappointed with. I, I'm disappointed whenever I pick up an HD or a Blu-ray that isn't superior in all respects to previous DVD in incarnations. So if it's lacking some extras on a previous DVD release, that is going to annoy me. And... Um, I notice that's still common, particularly with releasing back catalogue titles on Blu-ray or HD. So things like that, they get my go. Um, it's it's fantastic also what we can do with the interactivity of the new technology, picture-in-picture picture and all that. That's amazing. But it's annoying, again, that Blu-ray hasn't quite got it right. So you're left wondering whether the titles that are out on Blu-ray at the moment are going to see upgrades in the future and whether you're going to have to go down this whole double-dip route. But as, a, as an overall impression of the format, um, both HD and Blu-ray are still going from strength to strength and are a huge improvement on DVD. Moving on, Simon, what's your thoughts? You have HD DVD, uh, you don't have Blu-ray at the moment. Any reason why you haven't gone Blu-ray? Do I have to answer truthfully? Yeah, yeah, certainly, go on. 
The reason I haven't got a Blu-ray player at the moment is because I have nowhere to put it. <laughs> it's as simple as that, and that's the only I reason. I could suggest but... somewhere. <laughs> because uh, the the Blu-ray releases, um, although there's not as many as the HD releases, there there are quite a few films on there that I uh, particularly like. I won't put pen to paper and name names, but there there's plenty out there that I would really like. Um, well, in fact, I will. I'm going to say uh, Underworld because um, I recently reviewed the HD Underworld disc and was really quite disappointed by it. And I would kill to see it on uh, Blu-ray because I think it's supposed to have a superior picture. You haven't got room for a Blu-ray player, so you just haven't. I mean, how how haven't you got got room? I mean, if it was me, I'd be sticking it on the floor just to have it. <laughs> ah, yeah. But if I was to do that, my children would come along and use it as a trampoline. Fair point. Okay, so well, not for uh, long they wouldn't. <laughs> So we'll move on to Chris. Chris, um, you've got both formats. How are you finding things? Um, I love them. I love them to bits. Uh, like Cass said, I found the um, the upgrade over standard DVD to be, well, by and large, fantastic. Um, it really does seem to bring the image right into your face. Um, and what I like especially is when older films have been remastered and put onto this format, be it HD or Blu-ray, Particularly Robin Hood, um, the old Errol Flynn one. That that was just gobsmackingly good. It had come out only a couple of years before the remastered print on standard, but the the difference again on it on the high the high resolution was just out of this world. Again with the likes of Forbidden Planet and uh, the the searches on HD, the John Wayne film, the searches. That was a truly amazing um, restoration job on that. that. Just totally blew me away. Yeah, the vintage stuff. Um, seems to come up a treat with the high-resolution, high-definition process. So I'm very impressed with that. But I, I've become a bit of a Blu-ray snob lately. Um, certainly most of the discs that I've been watching have been Blu-ray. And I, I'm not too sure if I can really see this, but I seem to think the Blu-ray looks a little bit better as well. Uh, obviously that's open to a lot of debate, but I know that I'm, I feel more assured of what I'm going to get when I put a Blu-ray disc in. Uh, and again, the PCM uncompressed sound, which seems to have been predominantly on the on the Blu-ray format, has literally you know blown me socks off every single time I've heard it. It's just been awesome, one of the the best that I've ever heard. Um, any disc sound, Dolby True HD uh, is very very good. Yeah, but I just I don't think that I've heard anything particularly that's caught up with the best of the PCM tracks out there. Uh, of course, I've I've just reviewed uh, Ghost Rider, which has both. And I think that's probably the first time that I've been able to flick between the two. And there's not a lot in it, but I still think that PCM has the edge um, over that one. But the format overall, whichever one you, you opt for, it's a real eye-opener. The leap above normal DVDs is phenomenal, by and large. Although you know there can be a few naff ones out there, but it tends to be very poor transfers that they've used in the first place, very, very poor prints. I remember reviewing Spartacus on HD, and although Criterion had released a really, really fantastically sharp and colourful uh, version a few years ago now, uh, that was by far leaps and bounds better than the one put out on HD. Reason being, it wasn't HD's fault, it was just a very lousy print that they'd sourced it from. So, of course, every nick and scratch was still there. But when they do things right and they get a pristine print, or it's a, it's a brand new movie, Oh God, yeah, you're in heaven, um, definitely. Mm. Even things like uh, I had to review recently, Catch and Release, a rom-com, a rom-com drama, not my cup of tea. But you know, you wouldn't expect to have you know your jaw on the floor looking at the visuals on the rom-com, would you? But Blu-ray brought that into absolute sharp, vivid three dimensions. It was literally glorious to look at. Uh, which added, you know, a lot to the well. It added a lot visually to the film. It didn't make it a naff film any better, but you know, it it certainly shows what the uh, the format can do. Uh, in terms of extras, yeah, there's a slight shortfall there, particularly with Blu-ray. But you know, I think at the moment, because they're not really porting over all the stuff for a lot of the the back catalogue uh, releases, although that's beginning to shift around a little bit, I think. Um, but then again, the format was always supposedly designed with the people who just want the movie looking the best and sounding the best it could possibly be. But yeah, point being, you, you still feel a bit shortchanged if you're losing out on a few extras. But you know, if if the benefits have been made and the AV quality, 
and you're a fan, you've probably got the other versions anyway. But yeah, it's a, it, it's certainly magnified my home viewing experience, you know, tenfold. I find it hard to watch standard DVDs now. It is a very snobbish thing to say, I know, but I do. <laughs> well, so do I. I've got to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm not looking at standard DVDs anymore. I've, um, I, I put on, um, big fan of Buffy, I put on season five Buffy disc uh, on Friday night just to, you know, for a bit of light viewing. And I was all I could do was look at the transfer going, oh my God, look at the state of that. Yeah. <laughs> and so at the some, time, Sometimes it's really it apparent. Great. Yeah, sometimes it's very, very apparent. Sometimes I think it may be psychological. <laughs> You're thinking, I'm, downgra- I'm downgrading my viewing experience here. <laughs> and it could well be it's actually a very good transfer anyway. I mean, we've all, we've all given glowing reviews of, um, of you know, standard discs in our time. Mm, yeah. So they, they can, when, when done right, the transfer can still be you know, exceptional. Yeah. But you know, it's just that the high, higher definition does seem to have more, better... Um, releases than anything else, doesn't it? I think that's one point I'm going to pull you up on there because um, as far as I'm concerned, I think DVD's still got quite a bit of life left in it. And, um, you know, I'm using a seven and a half foot screen and upscaling through the the Toshiba player on standard DVD. Um, Yeah, it comes down to the transfer, but a lot of the times uh, DVD can still look pretty good, you know. I mean, it's not dead in the water, no, certainly. Um, and that, as I've just said, there's still been plenty of, um, of standard discs which have had you know, exceptional transfers and look really gorgeous. Well, that's, that, that's a, a very good point. I'm, I'm going back to, to Underworld again, which I reviewed very recently. The standard DVD copy is better than the HD one, without shadow of a doubt. <laughs> you know, but, so when HD is bad, it's, you know, it stands out. It really yeah, stands out. Yeah, I, I think a lot it comes down to you put crap in you get crap out basically and i think mm. with with hd because of the extra resolution because of the um the extra detail that's there you know if it is a really bad transfer it will look bad i noticed someone on the forums and this is where we should sort of point out to people that sometimes the transfer is supposed to look the way that it looks and and one, oh, yeah. of the, one of the issues was sleepy hollow which i reviewed recently on on hd dvd and there's some co- complaints there that, that, you know, it looked washed out, it looked um, out of focus, it wasn't as sharp, um, there was a lot of grain there, it looked dirty, it looked over. Um, it's supposed to look like that. that yeah, that's the that's way right. it was filmed. It was filmed with a, a an almost black and white colour palette. Um, all the colour drained out of it. it. It was supposed to look misty and murky and, and slightly out of focus. It's in a dream kind of state. So I think uh, some of the comments that come against HD, saying, well, it doesn't look as good. Uh, a lot of the time you've got to think, well, the transfer, that's that's the way it's supposed to look. I mean, War of the Worlds, well, Spielberg's version, oh, will we'll never God. look will never look pristine, yeah. even on, on HD, because it's filmed with crushed whites, crushed blacks, colour palette, which is very grey and murky. Um, and inten- Horrible looking film. That. Yeah, intentional grain. Another one, Miami Vice. Even though it was shot, shot on HD cameras digitally, um, still an awful lot of grain in there, especially um, when they go up onto the rooftop to make the phone call and, and the, the amount of digital noise and digital grain. But that's supposed to be there. Yeah. So sometimes well, it's not, it's not like necessarily Monster the, House, which was um, yeah. an animated movie. They actually put the the grain on there to give it a filmic effect. A lot of people, you know, didn't like that, but it's meant to be there, obviously. And of course, you know, there's no, no amount of high definition is going to hide that fact because it's it's got to be there. That's what the director intended. Letters from Iwo Jima again on Blu-ray, um, a stonkingly good image, but not to a lot of people's tastes. Not a fault of the transfer at all because it's it's totally bleached out of colour, and totally desaturated, very high contrast in some places, um, and you know it, it's not kind of what you expect. You want sharp, well, you, you go in expecting sharp, vibrant colours. Well, if they're not there in the first place, they've been intentionally removed. You know, you can't expect miracles, can you? Uh, Michael Mann, I mean, the director behind Miami Vice, is is famous for for using grainy stocks to give a sort of a more documentary style to his filmmaking. And I think there are other directors that employ similar tactics, not necessarily for a documentary style, but for um for a, from a stylish viewpoint. 
and it's difficult to for audience viewers to always grasp the fact that there's a big difference between what the director intended and uh, what we see on HD policy because you, you can't you can't judge a Miami Vice, you can't judge perhaps uh, some of Tony Scott's later movies like Man on Fire and Domino um, in the same leagues as I don't know, perhaps Batman Begins because it's um, they employ different stocks, they employ different filming techniques and uh, this comes across on HD as bad quality when it isn't, it's intentional grain it's intentional softness uh, random sort of, well not random, but intentional saturation, high sa levels of saturation, different contrast. It all, uh, it, from a technical viewpoint, it, it's, it's labelled bad, but it's all what the director wanted. So uh, another thing with a high resolution, that, which sometimes lets films down, is the CGI effects, Chris, and um, this is an area which has surprised you, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's been certainly a few examples of movies, um, Hellboy being one, which had uh, very dodgy CG elements to them. I saw at the cinema and on various other DVD incarnations. And I, I really thought that you know, sharper image, higher definition, higher resolution, some of these CG effects are going to look even worse um, you know, on, the, on the new format. But surprisingly enough, no, they don't. They actually look a lot better. I don't know how that is, but they seem to fit the image um, a lot more comfortably. Um, they, they're not, they don't stand out, they don't stand proud as being, oh, hello, I'm a CGI effect and I'm a pretty bad one at that. Um, they just blend in a lot more successfully. Hellboy, again, being the, the, the case that really surprised me, because the, um, I forgot what the creatures were called now, but you know, they looked awful to me. Um, and no, they just fit the image a damn sight better. So the higher resolution seems to cure <laughs> a lot of ills that were already inherent in movies so yeah, it's another surprising feature there which I kind of look for what well, I look forward to now um, and, and again I mentioned the older movies I'm a big fan of vintage black and white stuff the old universal horror movies I cannot wait to see these now the likes of Frankenstein the Wolfman you know all that kind of thing which have been restored numerous times over the years and I have reviewed them quite a few times as well and they've always you know I, I remember stating that oh, when the HD revolution comes around, I can't imagine he's looking any better. I can't imagine it's ever going to happen. Well, now, having seen what they've done with the likes of, say, Casablanca, uh, you know, I've really, really got high hopes for them now. I can't wait for them to hit the uh, either Blu-ray or HD. And just getting back to uh, what the director intended, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's something that we always preach to people who read our reviews and who are into this hobby of uh, having a home cinema is to obviously calibrate um, your screens perfectly. Uh, um, it's one of the reasons why um, all the reviewers went out and, and did the training on that. Um, and th this really makes a difference when it comes to, to HD because um, it has a stronger colour palette than uh, than PAL and NTSC. Um, is, is that something that you're noticing, Chris? Is it something oh. which... which um, you know, makes makes a big difference to the way that you view movies. Oh, for for sure, yeah, definitely. Um, the the colours are certainly more vibrant, um, without being, you know, as glaringly obvious. And wow, that's so colourful! God, look at that, it's amazing. But they, they look, they they blend in a lot better now. And blacks, I mean, they've got me contrast sorted. are completely spot on now. It looks every, everything is as it should be. Um, I can detect the fall off to grey a lot easier now. Um, I can detect where detail has been, you know, blacks are too much, and they're squashing out detail. So, yeah, the, you know, the calibrated screen, particularly if, if you're you know, investing in high-end AV equipment, you're getting into this thing with a lot of money, you want the image to look spot on. You want the image to look as close as damn it to what the, you know, the filmmaker's intended. That's the way the film should be seen. Uh, and only then can you really, you know, sit back and criticise you know, the transfer once you know it, you, you're watching it at, it at its premium I'll pick up on one thing you said there Chris uh, about high quality AV, high quality AV doesn't necessarily mean high price, um, there's some no. screens out there now that are a thousand odd pounds um, which are brilliant screens and really should be calibrated properly, so let's just move this on and wrap it up um, so having had the formats for six months does anybody have a favourite, or have we fallen in love with both formats? And we'll start with Kaz. 
Uh, I have to agree with Chris on this. I think that the Blu-ray for me has a slight edge in both picture and sound. It is just very slight, but couple that with the fact it's just easier, just plain easier to use than uh, HD. Um, that that has that edge. HD, of course, has uh, the edge when it comes to extra features, and I do like discs to have extra features. I don't like the idea of having to double dip. So, um, so that's a plus point in that direction. It's it swings and roundabouts, but if I had to have one at the moment, it would probably be Blu-ray. And uh, Simon, you only have HD DVD. I take it you're happy with the experiences so far. Oh, extremely. Yeah. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I'm and very, very happy. And Only looking having, at having listened to the other guys, are you itching to try Blu-ray? Oh, of course. <laughs> if only for <laughs> Underworld. <laughs> if only for Underworld, yeah. And um, Chris, move move on to yourself. Um, have Have you got a favourite, or do you think both will coexist with each other? Uh, ooh, I've got a favourite, yeah, and my favourite is Blu-ray. Uh, but what won me over really with Blu-ray, um, possibly above and beyond the actual better picture which I can perceive um, is the sound the PCM just is uncompressed it's truly astonishing um, and you know it never ceases to amaze me it really is a, a tremendous experience to hear you know a, a great blockbusting movie with its full PCM uncompressed track on it so yeah uh, but can they sit comfortably together well I think they are doing aren't they really uh, it's easy for someone to say you know who's got both formats but um, yeah, uh, you're getting more and more releases coming out on both, you know, on, on both formats, aren't you these days? So I think uh, the life with high definition is a lot easier all around. There's less rivalry at the moment. Uh, it, but it's, it's nice to nitpick, though, I suppose. Mm, I've got this, and you haven't got that, and, you know, that kind of thing. But when all is said and done, you know, it depends on the the transfer of each individual disc. And if done properly, um, they're going to look tremendous and sound tremendous on both, uh, I would have thought. But you know, Bl- Blu-ray seems to have the edge for me. I- I've kind of, I'm kind of smitten by that. I know I'm a lot happier when I open an envelope and find there's a little blue edge to the uh, the disc. <laughs> now, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that, that we can't cover here just because of the time constraints, such as um, the price difference between each format. Although that seems to be shrinking at the moment as well, and Blu-ray seems to be coming in line with, with HD DVD. Um, there, there's a lot of other issues there, um, such as codecs and you know, VC1 versus MPEG2 and MPEG4 and AVC and, and, and all the rest. And these are things that we will get into in the months coming. Um, unfortunately, though, we're running out of time this evening, so all I need to do now is thank Chris McAnini. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Simon Crust. Thank you very much. And uh, Cars Harlow. Cheers. And uh, that's been your Movies Podcast for this week. Uh, don't forget, if you have any questions, queries, comments, or you'd like to suggest something for our roundtable discussions, or you'd like to take part in the podcast yourself, then send us an email to help at avpodcast.co.uk. This is Phil Hinton saying thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next month. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.